Thanks, guys. So, missed being out with, with you guys last week, uh, but it was good to, to get away for a week and uh, take the wife, wifey with me, and she got to go to Magnolia's, and uh, I see all the ladies smiling. I'm like, my word, I can say the name Jesus and nobody does nothing. I say Joanna, and everybody's like, oh, my word, <laughs> they get Pentecostals like running over down the aisles. Uh, but it was a holy experience, you know. You walk in that place and it's just like, ah. she was. I think she took as many pictures as she's ever taken on that iPhone ever. And uh, we were getting ready to leave, and and uh, I was like, "Aren't you gonna get something?" She's like, "No." And I was like, "What?" She's like, "I could get that for like two dollars at home, or I could buy it online." And I was like, "I have messed you up." Anybody, you know, you have that shopping experience. You know, men, you go to Target, and you're like, you can't get nothing. No, don't get anything. You can go buy that over somewhere else. And we get to the Mecca, the, the holy place of de decoration, and I, I felt bad, y'all. I felt bad. I was like, I, what have I done to you? But it was, an, it was a great experience, and uh, lots of people. It's definitely worth going to. Um, but that is, like, the, the main thing in Waco, I'll just tell you. Like, if you're thinking there's something else, it's, that's it. Like, that's where it's at. So, but it's great to be back, and uh, anybody happy that October's kind of done? I felt like October was just wide open, crazy, um, never going to end, and now here we are halfway through November. But I, f I feel this heaviness. Uh, I feel this attack, I guess, from the enemy. Um, feel just like it's everywhere it's not i'm not talking about just our church but i'm talking about kind of in cultures like every time you grab your phone and look on something something's gone wrong or somebody else has collapsed in moral failure or you know a lot of church leaders right now come spread light on sexual abuse and churches are trying to hide it and to, so they can keep their leaders in high positions you know it's just we live in a crazy time and I think everybody thinks that, but, you know, I think back in the day, Nehemiah felt like he lived in a crazy time, too, you know. Um, but we're going to see this morning in Nehemiah 6, we're going to continue the series. Dad said I could preach on anything I wanted to this morning. And so, but I, I really felt like with just where we are, with last week happening with Sutherland Springs shooting, you know, 30, 30 plus people lost their lives just going to practice and worship their God. You can't go anywhere without being attacked for your faith. I mean, you can just share a verse on Facebook and people, some people will chew you out. And but Nehemiah, in chapter 6, gives us a really good model of how, how do we respond when the enemy attacks us? How do we respond? And this is a different response and situation. I think a lot of you can relate to this. Um, and I guess I can go ahead and ask you, how many of you have had someone say something bad about you behind your back? Okay, everybody else, you're lying. There's an altar. You can come down here and pray. Okay. How does that make you feel when somebody says that behind your back or says that even to your face and you're like, that is not true. 
That is not true. Bold-faced lie. How does that make you feel? We're going to talk about that this morning. And don't worry, we're not going to make you say it in front of everybody else and confess it in front of everybody. But we're going to see how Nehemiah responded to this. And there's four observations that I feel like we can take this and then start applying it to our lives. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, let's flip over to Nehemiah 6. We're going to start with verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 14. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem, yeah, Geshem, that's it. Sorry, it put it together. Geshem sent me, sent to me, saying, "Come and let us meet together at Hakafarim." If I didn't get that right, sorry. In the plain of Ono, but they said, but they intended. I'm gonna read it up here. It's better. But they see, but they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them, saying, "I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down." Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? They sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered to them in the same way. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Gashmu says that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Therefore, you are rebuilding the wall, and you are to be their king, according to these reports. You have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. A king is in Judah, and now it will be reported to the king according to these reports. So come now, let us take counsel together. Then I sent Nehemiah a message to him, saying, Such things as you are saying have not been done. But you are inventing them in your own mind. You're making it up. For all, of them, for, for all of them, you were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will, be, it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. When I entered the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Methabel, sorry, I'm telling you, I'm going to just get through these, who was confined at home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple. For they are coming to kill you and they are coming to kill you at night. But Nehemiah said, Should a man like me flee? And could one such as I go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that surely God had not sent him but he uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He was hired for this reason that I might become frightened and act accordingly in sin so that they might have an evil report in order that they could reproach me. Remember, O oh my God, Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these works of theirs, and also to Noadiah the prophetess and the rest of the prophets who were trying to frighten me. Okay, so what happened here? Anybody ever heard the phrase, they said, or everyone saying it? That, that's this case right here. 
they, they, they come to Nehemiah five times, four times spoken, five times they, they wrote an actual letter and brought it to him saying, they're saying you're doing this. Nehemiah knew that wasn't true. He was there to re- rebuild the wall. He wasn't there to become the king. Although I do think it's interesting that later the king would return, which would be Jesus. And Nehemiah, through all of this, would be able to rebuild the wall and restore um, the city. But I see four observations here in this text. And the first one is something that I think is really important for us all to grab. So we can see it in Nehemiah's life, but we can also see it in our own lives. Is that when we're building God's kingdom, the enemy is conspiring against you. When we're doing the work of God, we just need to go ahead and expect the enemy to be against us. Um, when, we're play, when, when you play a football game, right, like last night, you should expect that the enemy wants to beat your head in, and they did last night for Georgia fans. <laughs> but it's so easy for us to think, you know, nothing bad's going to happen. Nothing hard's going to happen. But we're fighting a war. A spiritual battle that's what the Bible calls it and when we are stepping out in obedience the enemy doesn't like that you know in our culture um, this right here is a numbing device Netflix is probably the thing that Satan loves the most now I love Netflix so just go into that when I, when I say this. But why? why? Why does Netflix and TV and internet and Facebook and social media, why do you think the enemy likes it so much? Because people aren't getting anything done. And I know it's nice to retreat sometimes and for us to like com- decompress and long work day, I gotta have some like me time or flip on the football, like I totally get it. Like I understand it, I do that myself. But if the greatest achievement we ever do in our lives is that we spent a third of our lives watching television or just working, are we really doing what God's called us to do? So a lot of times people are like, I don't ever feel like Satan's attacking me. And you might start asking yourself, am I building God's kingdom? That's a great question. And if you are building God's kingdom, and I feel like everybody here has felt this, you know, serving here at Gratis, helping um, in, in the ministries that we have here and going outside the walls and sometimes you feel the attack I mean this year has been a tough year I think for a lot of us and it's because the enemy wants to destroy us he doesn't like it when we step out in faith and we do what God wants us to do why that goes us to the next well I'll, I'll just I'll share this one because it doesn't really matter when you do these because the enemy can't defeat us. I want to say that again. The enemy cannot defeat us. As children of God, we know God has already won. But what he can do is he can try to distract us, he can try to discourage us, and he can try to divide us. Those are the three things that he can do. And that's, that kind of leads into the second observation is that Nehemiah, he didn't get distracted by false reports. So when he's sitting there building the wall 
it seems like everything was going great. He had everything pretty much except for the doors up and was everything was going great. It would have been easy for him to be distracted. So let's be honest. When somebody says something bad about you, what do you do? What would you have done? Think about it. And I know what you're thinking. You're looking at somebody else and I said, you would blow up. You would have you would have gone and knocked him out. But what would you have done? I, I say there's like three three things, and correct me if I'm wrong. The first one is to run. Anybody runners in here? You get in the confrontation, you see something happen. Anybody a runner? Come on. Go ahead. Okay, got a couple runners. Another response is to fight. Who's who are my fighters? Got a few fighters. And then a lot of people are like, I'm not raising my hand. I'm not raising my hand. But, I mean, that's what happens, right? So you can choose to run away from the situation. You can choose to face it head on. But what did Nehemiah do? He ignored it. He just continued doing what he was doing, the work that God had called him to rebuild this wall. I'll be honest with you. I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. Like, that's my personality. Anybody else feel that way? Y'all people pleasers have a hard time. As a people pleaser, I would have been like, oh, no, i got to protect my reputation. Like, of course I will come to counsel with you. Of course I will sit down and talk this out with you so I could stand on my behalf and talk to you so that you know that that's not what I'm trying to do. But Nehemiah didn't do that. Nehemiah said, I'm not doing that. God stands on my behalf. I'm going to continue doing what God has called me to do. And for those of you who are people pleasers, like me, I want you to think about that. Because my first response would have been, get on the cell phone, give them a call, and say, hey, this isn't true. How can we work this out? But Nehemiah saw the truth. He knew that it was a trap. He knew that it was a total distraction. And that if God had called him to do something, and if he continued to do it, that God would also provide the way of escape in case the enemy came down to fight them, like they were saying they were going to do. Observation number three is Nehemiah understood the truth. He understood the truth. Because he knew that God had called him to build this wall. And no matter how hard the enemy tried to distract, to divide, or to discourage him, he was going to continue doing that. Even if it wasn't true. Even if they said that you were trying to be the king. He, he was like, I don't have to do that. I guess the, today's saying would be, ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't, ain't nobody got time for bronchitis. <laughs> I know it's a few years old. That's retro now, but... It's true. He just he kept doing what God had called him to do. An application that we can take from that is that the only way to know truth is to be with God. And in turn, the action for that is to plan time to meet with God. How did Nehemiah know that he was doing what God wanted him to do? That's a good question. Some of you, you may be asking yourselves the question, God, what do you want me to do? What is my wall? 
sure, our church is in the moving and moving forward and building a building. But what is your ministry? What has God called you to do on this earth? And how do you know what God has called you to do? Anybody ever thought about that question? Thought about your purpose in life? Hear, hear pastors talk all the time about your calling, and it's like, that's easy for you because your calling is to get up there and sing songs and tell us to stand and to sit and, and have an amazing Christmas Eve service, which is coming up, by the way. <laughs> One service on Sunday. No, no Sunday morning services. Only going to be an afternoon service. Just going ahead and getting everybody's plans ready. Caleb, I'm a plumber. How can I have a plan in God's kingdom? Or I'm a banker. Or I'm a salesman. How can I impact the kingdom of God? That's a great question. We should ask more like that. More questions like that. And my first answer is, you need to get alone with God, and he'll tell you. We do everything for his glory, but sometimes it's really hard for us to to connect the dots sometimes. How can me as a business owner, how can I glorify God on a daily basis? That's a great question to ask yourself. For Nehemiah, God told him to go rebuild the wall. And that's been the whole story from day one. He said that to the king, and the king said, go. He didn't say I was going to become the king. He didn't say I was going to go do all these things and have all these great ambitions. All he did was he just said, I'm going to rebuild a wall. And he did. But the enemy knew that if they tried to say he was creating a revolt, a rebellion against the king, that they would come in and wipe him out because they just didn't like it. But Nehemiah understood the truth. Do you know the truth? Are you spending time with God? Are you taking that time to meet with him so that you can be ready? Observation number four. Nehemiah left the enemy's fate to God. This, is, this one wrecked me when I was preparing for this week. I'm a control freak. Anybody else a control freak? Anybody? Nobody? Okay. All right. There we go. Got some honest people. And if something happened to me and it was bad, I would want to make sure that the person that did that to me got just the absolute worst possible scenario, right? You know, somebody did something to my kids, like death penalty. Like that's, you know, full extent. Um, But Nehemiah didn't do that. Nehemiah understood and saw that God had not sent these people. And so what he did is he, he just prayed. And he said, Remember Tobiah and Sambalot, O God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. That's all he did. Nehemiah never asked God to revenge. He never asked God to do anything. All he said was, God, you saw this people. Can you just take care of that for me? So many times we want to take that revenge in our own hands. I mean, think about this. Somebody comes to you and says something bad about you. You know it's not true. 
the next thought, I mean, seriously, the next thing I'm thinking is how can I go TP that person's yard? Like, I'm a pastor. Like, I'm being honest with you right now. Like, I want to get revenge. That's what I want to do. Call up a couple of my buddies and say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do, boys? And we all get up. I don't know what you're going to do. And we all get pumped up and beating each other in the chest. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't laugh at me. Don't judge me. But that's what I would do. Girls would get in the room and they, they just start talking about it. Oh, you know, girl. You know. You see what she's wearing? I'm going to slip something in her sweet teeth. But we want to take revenge in our own hands. And the application here is don't, we, we cannot take revenge in our own hands. Instead, we should allow God to determine the outcome. If we trust God to see us through, we should trust God to, to handle our enemies. Because a lot of times we want God to take care of the good stuff, but we want to take care of the other stuff. Because it makes us feel good. It makes us feel like, all right, God, I know that you're going to handle this. Like, I know that you know that this is the truth, but I want to go get them. That's what I want to do. I want to take care of this right now in my own strength. But Nehemiah didn't do that. He didn't have to go clear his reputation. He didn't do anything except continue. And all he did was said, no, I'm not going to do that. He recognized the truth. And then he prayed to God and said, God, would you take care of this? How many times do we live with that much faith in God in our life circumstances? We're all, a lot of us, I mean, honestly, we all are control freaks in some way or another. Some of us are just more passive control freaks. We all want to take everything into our own hands and make our life happen. But Nehemiah didn't do that. What he did was, he said, God, you have called me to this. You, this is not of you because you're not here to dis- distract me, to discourage me, or to divide me. This is of the enemy, and now I'm going to ask you to take care of it. Some of you need to, to apply this principle found in Nehemiah 6 in your life. When someone comes to you, when that coworker comes you hear that they're talking about you behind their back, your back. And everything inside of you wants to go put a virus on their computer or send out an email to everybody in the company as them. Am I just, am I just a weirdo that thinks about stuff like that? Like, reply all. Like, I don't know. Maybe I am. But everything in, in you wants revenge. Or you want to see that person fail. Okay, now we're preaching. That's it. Somebody does something to you and you're like, man, I wish that person would just get fired. And you sit there every day and you just watch them. You're going to do something. You're going to get fired. And I'm going to laugh. I've been there. I've done that. I had a woman. Listen, this is an honest truth. Like four years ago, which I know the truth is honest. Josh, he laughs at me all the time when I say this is the honest truth. But it is. I had a woman just chew me out one time, one side up. And it was in front of other people. And we were co-workers. Technically, I could have technically been, like, above her. But I didn't ever try to act that way. She chewed me out in front of other customers. Right there and there. And I was like, calm down. 
down. She's like, don't you tell me to calm down. And I was like, I just want you to get fired. I didn't say that, but I said it here. I didn't, I didn't apply a Nehemiah in my life. I, every day I'd come in, I'd be like, you're going to do something, sucker. You're going to go home. You're going to get the pink slip today. That's what I was thinking. But you know what it did? It distracted me. It took me away from my work. And so instead of serving customers, I spent the entire time thinking about this person and how they were going to either bother me, bother someone else, or how they were going to walk out the door. And honestly, I had the wrong heart because if that end, that end would have happened with her and she walked out the door, I would have been like playing, you know, I got this feel inside my bones. I would have been just like dancing. I got that sunshine in my pocket. I, that's what I would have been doing. And that was the wrong mindset. And I think we see this pattern happen a lot more in our lives than we want to admit that somebody wrongs us and then how do we respond to it? The whole time we're like, God, you know, you've, we leave God out of our problems a lot of times. And instead of me just saying, you know what, you can talk bad about me, you can cuss me out in front of other people, you can do whatever you want to, but I know that God has called me to this. I know God has placed me in this place for a reason. And instead, you know what, God, I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to let go of this circumstance. I'm not going to control the outcome of what happens to them because I'm going to focus that you are going to control my outcome, that you, what you've called me to do. That he who has called me is faithful, he will surely do it. I'm going to let it go because that is only going to discourage me, it's going to distract me, or it's going to divide me. And in the body of Christ, Satan tries to do this with all three. And he tries to do it in different ways. I mean, how many people, like right now, politically, if you stand on certain something with politically, Satan wants to divide the church through politics. Because he knows if the church is divided, then they're not focusing on the work that God has called them to. He wants the church to be numb to their circumstances, to be numb to the pain that other people are facing. Why? Because he knows that if we are numb and that we are distracting ourselves with social media, with Netflix, with sports, with the newspaper, whatever it is, whatever generation you're from, he knows that if you're spending your life distracted, that you're not completing the work that God has called you to. And he also knows that if we're discouraged, we're less likely to work. It's really hard to wake up and to do great work in the kingdom of God if you're not on fire for God and you're discouraged in your own life, in your walk with God. It's hard to get motivated. I don't think the church as a whole in America is, is really carrying out the call of God. And it's really simple. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're living distracted. We're living defeated. We're living divided. In our churches, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in the workplace, we are more connected than ever and more divided than ever. 
I have an app on my phone, and it tells me how how many times in my phone that I pick my phone up in a day. And some days I'm just like, I cannot believe I did that that many times. That's, that's like 60 times a day. I am more connected and more disconnected than I've ever been in my entire life. Distract, discourage, divide. Those are only three things that you hear from me today. If you ever feel distracted, if you ever feel discouraged, and if you ever feel like there's division, know that it is not from God. Because what does God do? God is the complete opposite. God focuses us. He gives us a purpose. He gives us a vision and a meaning for our lives. God doesn't discourage us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. In fact, he's created this organism called the body of Christ that is designed to encourage one another. He's given us this thing called relationships where we can encourage one another so we don't have to go through this alone. And his job is not to divide us. He unites us. Anybody been to an Atlanta United game yet? I know a few of us have. Anybody else? Soccer? You're like looking at me. Soccer? It's really cool because they all scream. Some, the small section starts screaming Atlanta and everybody else screams United. And there's just something really special when everyone comes together and they say the same thing and they're there for one purpose. And that's really what the church should be about. Is that we're here for the, the, the same reason, the same thing, saying the same thing. All glory belongs to God. You alone deserve the glory. We are here to worship you. Like that's what we should be saying. Together with one purpose. Instead of what political view do you have on this? Or what issue do you we can we not just agree on and i'm not saying this is happening with us i'm saying like with the body of christ don't be discouraged don't be distracted don't feel divided god is the complete opposite of that and then the last uh, application for today kind of goes back to that first observation when building god's kingdom the enemy is conspiring against you he, if you feel like there's a conspiracy theory against your life, there is, and it's the enemy trying to attack you. So, the application for that is that we need to plan for attack. We need to be ready. And the only way that we can do that is by spending time with God, knowing the truth of who we are and why we're doing what we're doing so that that way when the enemy does come and tries to distract us and tells us lies that aren't true we can say no that's not it but God you're gonna help me get through this and God you can take care of that sound like we can that's something that we can start doing yeah trust me now that you've heard it this week is gonna happen and you're going to be like, I want to kill that person. They're going to hurt your feelings. They're going to say something. And then you're going to be reminded that the enemy is going to attack you by being distracted, discouraged, or divide. Don't let him do that to you. Because if you do that, one of those three things, then we're not living a victorious, we're not living like a winner. We're living like a loser. But God because of the blood of Christ and because of what he did on the cross and raising again from 
the dead, he has already made us winners. And I'm not doing this mumbo-jumbo, life is gold and you're going to have a million dollars. That's not what I'm talking about. Prosperity gospel. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that in the grand scheme of things, we have already won. And the only way that the enemy can even stop, he can't stop us, but he can try to slow us down. And he does it with those three things. So just take a moment to be still. Um, you can bow your head, close your eyes if that's you. If you, you can walk over there, come down here to the altar, whatever that is for you. And just ask yourself, you may be going through a situation right now. Do you feel discouraged? Do you feel distracted? Do you feel divided? Just take a moment and ask God for help. Ask Him for truth, for clarity. Ask Him to remind you of why, what He's called you to. What is your purpose?